Welcome to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, where we bridge the gap between you and your goals with science and sustainability in your health, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle journey. I hope you share and enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 59 of Forever Strength. We apologize. We actually had a couple of weeks off between my travel and I spent a week with family and I was a little sick and speaking at an event and Bailey, Bailey had an ACL surgery, which has obviously gone pretty well. Thankfully, we've got a brilliant physical therapist in the mix on this one. So we're sorry we left you guys hanging for a little bit, but we're actually going to make it up to you because we have a really awesome guest, my friend Marissa Roy. She's here today. She is the CEO of uh, let me Permanent Change Coaching. I want to make sure I didn't screw that one up. Uh, which is yep. really you're just your nutrition coach who has done so bloody well with it that you needed to hire other coaches to be able to handle all the demand. And you are an absolute cookie enthusiast. When we hung out at Coaching Con in April, which was really fun, we had a great, great crew around us. I think it was like there were two nights where we went as a big group and you had this cookie place that you'd hunted down and you are super passionate about cookies. So I'm sure we can weave that in here. But sure. It's great to have you on, and I'll give the floor to Bailey, because Bailey always cooks up some great questions. Ha, Han. Um, I know I have no questions about cookies, but yeah, if it comes up, we'll talk about it. Um, always the question to start out is, how did you get into fitness? Oh, boy. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm going to try to make this as brief as possible, but still share all the details. But I got into fitness I mean, just from being a, a lifelong athlete, I was a volleyball player through and through just to the bone was my absolute passion. And something about me is that whenever I really, really love something, I go 199% into it. So I'm just like all in for like 10 years of my life. And I kind of got introduced to nutrition and strength training through taking that very seriously, like through high school, like I had a uh, sports and performance trainer. I was like looking up stuff online to try to like augment my performance. Uh, but as a, a teenager, I also was susceptible to influences from the budding social media world at the time. And so then I was like, Ooh, change your body with your nutrition and exercise, uh, get skinnier, look more lean and toned. And so that was like, then the thing that took the forefront from there, which actually didn't help my performance with sports, but I didn't know it then. Um, and you know, when you're 15, 16, it doesn't matter. You can basically do anything, even if you're not eating. <laughs> um, so yeah. So basically I went down a pretty dark road with like, just really restricting what I was eating all the time and running on top of playing volleyball on top of like doing those insanity workout DVDs and P90X. And I was just going crazy with it and really not eating enough. And, um, it just led into the, this awful pattern of restricting and then basically binging every other night on everything that I could. And that cycle was so painful that, eventually I just figured I have to do something different. And that was when I actually stumbled across a lot of notorious names that are, are still in the space. Now, some of them have pivoted out of the fitness space, but, um, found some more evidence-based practitioners. And I was like, Ooh, this sounds cool. Eat more food and not, you know, gain weight. That sounds cool. So started exploring like strength training for like bodybuilding purposes and body composition eating more food. And, um, I was able to find like flexible dieting through that. 
and then slid down the rabbit hole into bodybuilding straight from there, straight out of high school. Um, and then basically six months or so after, um, my freshman year of college, I decided I'm just going to try this online thing. This was 2016. I'm kind of young. So I'm 26 now, but 2016 fresh out of high school, I was personal training in person at a local gym because I figured I might as well try to make some money doing something that I love. And I really didn't like it training in person. So I saw a couple of people doing the online thing and it was pretty new at the time, but I figured, Hey, yeah, I could figure something out. And I just threw some Excel sheets together and just called it a business. Um, <laughs> and that's where it started. That's awesome. Yeah. 2016 to start online training. That was definitely before, I guess it got really popular. Of course, when everything shut down in 2020, but yeah, I got an early start on that one. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm really thankful that I did because it would, I, I just imagine what it would be like to start right now. And I don't even want to think about what that dog fight looks like. <laughs> well, I mean, there's always lots of people to help and everyone has, you know, abundance mindset and stuff, but you're right. Starting before everyone, it, it definitely helps. Yeah. Um, so then with the education that you have, because I know you have a master's degree, um, how does that sort of play into uh, the knowledge that you have in this industry? So I'm actually going to answer this question differently because I don't, I am halfway through my master's degree um, and it's on a indefinite pause for the time being. So um, I may actually decide to go back to school for something different. I might have to start from scratch, but master's would have been in exercise science, sports, nutrition. And that was simply because I was like, well, I'm doing this for a living, but I don't have a degree in what I'm doing because my bachelor's is in neuroscience. So I'm actually going to answer the question with, in respect to that, because that's far more interesting, <laughs> if that's okay. Um, so yeah, my bachelor's was in neuroscience, which was kind of on a, on a whim decision because the rumors were that people who graduated with a psychology degree didn't make any money in like the circle that I was in. So I was like, oh, well then I won't do that, but I'm only good at science. So like, what else is there? And so I just went with like, basically psychology on steroids. Um, and so it was great though. I, I loved it. It was super nerdy. And, um, I learned a lot about just psychology, how the brain works, all the neuroscience, neurochemistry of everything. And the school that I went to didn't really have enough neuroscience classes to fill a degree. So I got to take a ton of psychology electives. It was great. So with that being said, I think that informs my practice so much more than any like exercise science degree does, because what we do is so focused on human behavior and behavior change. And how do you rewire your brain to change your life? And, you know, learning about muscle fibers and the different types and exactly how to train, like just doesn't apply when I'm working with like gen pop ladies in their fifties. Like I just need them to move. Right. And then change your eating habits, which is the hard part. So, um, I feel like it's been the best, like uncanny coincidence because I didn't plan for that to be the case. And I definitely didn't plan for neuroscience to get super trendy and sexy in today's day and age. Like everyone loves Huberman, right? Everyone loves all learning about neuroscience and how to biohack your brain. But it's like, I just picked it because it seemed kind of interesting. And I was in college and didn't know what else to do with it. <laughs> so, um, it was just kind of cool how it all worked out. Yeah. 
That's awesome. It definitely, I think more people have been focusing on mindset behavior stuff as well. It's cool to know why the body moves the way it does uh, and all those theories and stuff, but you're right. Definitely changing someone's habits. It, it definitely makes a big difference and knowing how to help them change those habits. Yeah. Um, so then uh, focusing around basics, what are, why would the basics be most important in terms of fitness? Like how would you use those to help someone progress? Hmm. Why are the basics important? We could, um, well, we I think also, honest. Oh, we could have this apply to nutrition as well. I mean, because the basics across the board of both fitness and nutrition. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I think the basics are important because they're just so overlooked. Like everybody is so wired to look for the shiny thing, right. Of like, Ooh, let me try this, you know, fancy carb cycling, you know, every other day taking a different supplement stack approach. Like it's, it's all crazy marketed out there. And I don't blame anyone because like, I understand why it's happening. Everybody in this industry has gotten really sophisticated. The marketing's gotten really complex and they're, everyone's preying on your pains and your needs and what you want. And so I get why the desire is there, but it causes such a, like, just a skipping of looking at anything basic, which are the basic habits of like, what do you do when you wake up? What do you do before you go to bed? What general things do you eat on a regular basis? Do you move your body multiple times per week? And like, do you sweat often? Like, that's like just the plain basic things. I'm just like, this is, it's, it's so crazy to me how many people that I talk to on the phone that are like, I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. And then we get them in and start auditing their habits. And we're like, you do not know what to do at all. So I think the basics are just important because it's the foundation to everything else you're going to build off of it. Um, like a lot of times coaches programs, apps online, will just kind of throw like, here's your calories that you should eat. Here's your protein. Like, here's what you should do. Um, and here's the supplement stack and all this information that just gets dumped on someone. But if they don't have the basic habits of like, how do you put together a meal or like, how often should you eat? And like, how do you know when you're hungry or when you're full? Like, these are things that I think I overlook and that we probably all overlook that no one really ever was taught. And so that's kind of where I found myself and my team, like really filling in that gap in education for women that are in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, that just never learned the basics. I think People have this idea of what the basics are. And I I like to think about it as a set of skills that we learn when we're younger, that yeah. we, when we have an abundance of time. And it's really just brute forcing your fitness. I mean, you alluded to that earlier about just how much you were physically doing. And so as we get older, not only do those skills not work anymore, they're actually maladaptive because then people have this narrative, well, when I have enough time, I will do these things because this is the way I know it works. And it's, it's a singular skill that like, when is life ever going to get less busy, especially career, you know, if there's kids or all the other obligations that we have as we get older. And so those people are sitting there going, I know what to do, but they absolutely can't execute on it. So, and it's just like you described, you describe all these other things that are now relevant that most early 20 somethings, teenagers, they don't get into those things on average, but what do they do? They play a whole bunch of sports. They're actually more active. And I mean, yes, we know that 
metabolism doesn't slow down. You know, there's good research on this, you know, as you approach probably like 60 ish, but lifestyle changes a whole lot. But yeah, it does let's be honest, it does feel easier when we're younger than as we get older, right? And that's probably because of life, not necessarily because of genetics. But either way, totally stuff's changed. So how do you now get someone to understand that that set of skills that they think they know doesn't work? Uh, I mean, honestly, I usually just ask them a bunch of questions until they kind of realize it for themselves. I mean, like motivational interviewing is huge. And I just, I love the skill as a whole because it's just like, you really can't tell anyone anything because they're not going to listen. They have to say it themselves. And so it's just a matter of figuring out how, like it's kind of a game that I play and I'm pretty good at it too. I'll, I'll say, I'll give myself some credit, but like, how do I ask the question that gets them to say the thing that I know is true about them that I can't just hold the mirror up to their face because they're not going to be able to see it. You know what I mean? Um, and so like, how do I get them to take off the glasses that are shading their view themselves? Um, and so it's really just figuring out like how to ask questions that, that like dive into the motivations of people and like dive into like, why are you thinking about this the way that you are? What are the things that you've tried in the past? How do they work out for you? What's your pattern, right? And like, are you recognizing it? Um, and so I think it's just bringing awareness to that. And then like explaining, once you kind of have gotten permission to like teach and explain from that person, like it's, I mean, you, there's a bunch of different ways they can get to the goal. Like, like you said, like you could be, you know, 45 with kids and have a career and be super busy. And there's still two ways to reach the goal. You could throw a bunch of shit at the wall and just see what sticks and like, just do more and more and more until something happens. Or you could figure out what the actual best protocol or thing to do is and focus your efforts on something that's going to take you way less time, effort, energy, and sacrifice. Um, but most people only know the former because like you said, it's what worked when they were younger versus like understanding that as life changes, we need to become more adaptable and targeted in our approach so that we're working smarter, not harder. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes with that first method that you mentioned, you don't know what's worked, what was most right. efficient and effective. Um, so really then you're doing all this stuff and then it becomes slightly overwhelming, right? Yeah. Um, so back to the basics then, um, would you be able to go a little bit more into depth about the basics you use with your clients? Totally. And I love the question because I actually think that we do things really differently um, and in a good way and in a unique way, how we tackle the basics, because um, I feel like most coaching programs and I'll even point a finger at myself in the past would kind of just be like, all right, so like I multiplied your body weight by this number and I'm going to give you like your calories. And then here's the protein that you should be eating based on your goal. And like, now you gotta, just got to track everything and figure it out. We basically took a hard left turn on all of that. And uh, we start pretty much all of our clients out with a series of like, like Andrew said, like a series of basic competencies that we try to work through before we get into things like that, that make macros or tracking or calories actually make sense in the context of their life because a lot of people who have never tracked food before just don't see how those things work together and they see numbers next to their food and they're like I don't know what the heck is happening right so a couple of the skills that we use that we consider the basics and the foundation are number one assessing your hunger levels 
So we have kind of created a system and a framework for most of the things that I'll list. So I'll spare like going into the details of every single one, but essentially, am I hungry or am I not? And am I eating when I'm hungry or am I eating when I'm not? And if I'm eating when I'm not hungry, what are the reasons that I'm eating? Am I bored? Am I stressed? Am I emotional? Um, and really bringing awareness to that is sometimes one of the first things that we do with clients. And we tell them to literally not change a thing about what they're eating, but only to look at like how they're actually responding to their body signals and what is their stress response like? Do they eat to cover up feelings, difficult emotions, things like that? Um, and then we definitely always really work on this is where the cookies will come in dessert every day. Um, we work with a lot of people who struggle with a relationship with food, a really toxic and messed up relationship with food, similar to my own in the past. And something that I found helps a lot is when you force yourself, and this is a practice that's like intentional for this person. It's not just like for anyone, but when you eat dessert every single day, when you have that kind of broken relationship with food, even on the days that you don't feel like it, and do it intentionally and have like the real thing, like a real cookie. What it does is it reinforces the mindset that the food will always be there and that it'll be there tomorrow. And that you don't need to just finish the whole bo box or bag or sleeve because it's your last chance. It's something that you'll always have access to and you can moderate yourself in that moment. And so it really just helps mend that relationship with the sweets, with the chips, whatever the Achilles heel is, but we call it dessert every day. Um, and then just like building balanced meals, understanding what like the hand portion sizes are putting a protein, a starchy carbohydrate, a vegetable, fat source together on a plate and being like, this is a meal that satiates and a meal that actually will hold you over from meal to meal versus just kind of grazing all day, um, and doing those sorts of things. And we do a lot to, to kind of tackle just the, the emotional awareness side of it, because I think the thing that people don't realize about the basics is that the basics are probably if you had to generalize eating several meals across the day that are well balanced, high in protein. But the thing that gets in the way of that is usually our emotional reaction to things and then how we cope with that with either eating or not eating food and um, our different motivations for eating food that are not necessarily fuel driven. And for most people entering a fitness journey, 99% of their motivations to eat any food are not fuel driven. It's usually emotional, social, habitual, nostalgic motivations. And so if we don't understand why all that's happening, we can't change it and establish better basics at the foundation of someone's eating patterns. So I hope that answers that question. Oh yes, definitely. In great detail. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so then with the finding the balance, um, how does that stuff sort of translate into their lifestyle? Hmm. Uh, can you explain what you mean by that question? Just like um, certain people have certain lifestyles. Usually if you go to the gym, normally a person would want to eat better uh, to fuel their goals. Um, but if they have maybe a sedentary lifestyle where they sit at a desk all day, um, or maybe they have a really active job, a labor job, how do you find that balance? Because usually people that move more, um, either they think that they're more hungry because they're moving more or they just are, they have more hunger cues. 
Mm, yeah. So like, how do I establish those, like the awareness for those things? If like people's lifestyles differ so much, yeah, context matters. Um, and like, it's, it's all like individual, right? So somebody who say takes Adderall and doesn't have any appetite, they are not a good candidate to use the hunger scale that we have, right? Because they need structure right out the bat. They need to be reminded to eat. Like if that's not something that they're changing, then like we got to figure out a different way, right? So I feel like definitely context matters and like activity levels matter, but all the things that influence appetite matter for something like the hunger scale. Um, so I think it's just also like taking into account that. And then, like you said, like the activity level and the lifestyle, where do we start with the basics? Um, when all of that can vary so much. Um, and I think it's really just trying to meet people where they're at, like just, and, and, and that, that specifically has taken on such a new definition for me in probably the past two years since I started having a team support our clients versus myself, because everything I just told you, like I didn't come up with, I can't even take credit. Like that was my head coach and our coaches on our team are freaking brilliant. Um, and they've really created this style, but like meeting people where they're at, I'll give you an example. Uh, we had a client who like sent me a message a few weeks ago. She was like, I'm really frustrated with the program. I'm not really understanding where I need to be, what I need to be doing. Um, I don't know if this is a good fit. And I was like, whoa, what is happening? Like, it was like two weeks in. So I was like, let's hop on a call. Let's talk about it. And she was basically like, man, this is a, this is a crazy circumstance, but basically she had a doctor, a cardiologist, another doctor, a cardiologist, and a therapist and then a coworker, four different people telling her all the things that she should be doing and what's right for her, for her nutrition and her health. Um, and she just like, was like, this is what I should be doing. I should be doing keto and I should be doing it this way with these modifications and this and this and this. And I just don't see how your protocols really align with that. I can't intuitively eat with this hunger scale thing because of this reason. And um, the thing about that is that there were a lot of beliefs packed in there of like, I can't do this because I'm a binge eater. I can't do this because of my heart condition. I can't do this because this, that the coach in me wants to be like, Oh my God, don't place those identities on yourself. Right. But she did. And those are things that she currently accepts. So I had to meet her where she's at and say, okay, if that's who you believe you are, and if that is what you believe you need to do, which she, she was convicted then how do I help you from there? And that was a challenge because it's like, normally when someone signs up for a program, they're like, you tell me what to do and then just do whatever you want, right? Um, but I feel like those circumstances, they, they come up when people truly trust you to tell you the truth about like what's going on. And then you have to really figure out like, okay, so I can't tell you, let's not do keto because you'll literally quit if I told you that. Right. So it was just figuring out, like, it just takes on a deeper and deeper and deeper meeting every time. And so I think the key is really like to like, stop assuming that we know what's best for people and understand that they will, they will think that they know what's best for them, whether it is or not, like that is what's best for them in the moment because they chose it. And how do we guide them from there versus trying to impose their own will on people. And what happened was as soon as I took that stance and I said, 
Okay, so here's how I'm going to help you from there. Since you want to do this keto modification thing, we'll work this in. We'll have this be your goal. Da, 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 da. Next day, raving reviews for the program and started questioning what her doctor had told her and started to, to unweave those patterns. But it's like, it doesn't come from a place of butting heads. It comes from a place of trying to really understand. So I don't know if I just took that totally off the rails, but um, it's just what came to mind. Hey, hey, if you're not driving and you're liking this episode, just take two seconds and support our show by giving it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. These ratings and reviews just allow us to bring more knowledgeable and influential people onto this show for you to learn everything possible about science and sustainability with respect to your goals. And if you like this episode, just screenshot it and tag us on Instagram to show your support. One share really could be the catalyst for someone in your life to transform their body, their health, and their fitness for good. And of course, it helps our show grow too, and we appreciate that. All right, back to the show. I, I actually love where you went with that because there's something really fundamental here. Um, a common joke that hopefully, if there's any coaches listening, they'll get this. But if you've got a client who's asking you about keto, it's it's actually kind of safe to assume that they're already doing keto. So if you launch into, oh, keto is fucking stupid, well, they've made a choice, right? And they probably have a cousin, a family member, coworker, whatever, who's evangelizing keto to them. So now the choice of keto, and, and this can work for any sort of diet, usually what people do is that they start to, in order to validate their choice of this diet, their, their lack of necessary confidence in it early on, the way that they can be more confident is convert other people to it. It sort of takes on this like religion-like thing. Mm -hmm. So if you, the coach, go in, launch it and go, oh, that is really stupid. You should do that. Well, part of their identity is now attached to this thing because identity is a nutrition, really strong thing. How many people that we encounter literally have the name of a diet in their Instagram bio. That's yeah. potentially a bit of a red flag. It depends on who it is, right? Maybe if it's a coach, it's your ideology, but it's a person, they've now built their identity around this particular diet. So if you attack the diet, you're actually attacking their identity. That's not going to result in a good thing. I remember one client who was, did this, asked what I thought about keto. I knew her well enough. I had a suspicion. Sure enough, she was already doing keto. And so I said, listen, I support this. Let's actually do this. And they don't expect that. It's exactly what you said. They don't expect you to support them because I want to maintain that trust. Because if I know my client pretty well, I probably know whether or not they're likely to be successful on that diet. Sometimes they are. This particular client, I knew she probably wouldn't be, but I didn't want to tell her that. So two weeks went, two weeks went by and she realized that she couldn't eat whatever fat she wanted and that calories still mattered and she wasn't losing weight. And, she, and her literal words is, Keto is bullshit. And now that was her assessment based on her experience with it. Some people can, it can work. But for the coaches listening, just don't go immediately into attack mode on why these things, these dietary ideologies are bad. Because what I like to do is I want to position myself where if it goes well, fucking great. We have a happy client and then I can support it and buffer it with evidence-based stuff within the ideology. Great. If, totally. it, if it doesn't work for them, then the trust is strong and then I can say, okay, let's work together. Let's figure out a system that works better for you because they've arrived at the realization that, hey, I don't like this approach. Totally. And can I add something there too? Because this is a, a belief that I've been leveraging lately that's actually been serving me really well in a lot of contexts of life um, is that basically 
everybody comes to any decision that they make because every single lived experience that they've ever had and not had has led to the culmination of them thinking that that is the best decision for them, whether that decision is to go kill someone or to do keto, right? Like whatever the decision is, everybody feels justified in every single decision that they make. And so if you hold that belief to be true, then it just unleashes this curiosity in me of like, okay, so you want to do keto or like to go, you know, try to become an astronaut and go to outer space or whatever ridiculous thing someone wants to do. Like it just unleashes a curiosity in me to be like, hmm. I wonder why that is and what are all the contributing factors to it, right? And that I think is what makes a great coach and client relationship is a seeking to understand versus to convince. And like my stance on like life is that you can never convince anyone of anything. They can only convince themselves. Um, And usually the best way for people to do that is not through being told, but by being asked questions. And so like that is really where I feel like that situation which is a great demonstration of it of was she she just had all these things happening and she was mentioning things that happened in her childhood what her doctor said like all of her history with everything and I was like I I just want to understand you and I want to just help you so like if this is what you think is best based on everything that you've done so far I support you and immediately like tone shifted everything started like really just rolling and gelling and literally the next day she was like you know, I think what I'm really doing isn't actually keto. I think it's more like just kind of low carb. And I was like, cool, <laughs> that's great. Let's keep modifying your habits, making sure you're making progress. Um, and yeah, so I, I take it or leave it, but that's like a belief and kind of a stance that's really served me with coaching. That's been really helpful. Yeah. I think it, you mentioned it at the beginning too, with talking about the basics, you can't give them the answer. They won't take it. Um, you have to sort of lead them. And I think understanding why they're coming where they're coming from is a really important part to that. Totally. Let's highlight the book you referenced. So motivational interviewing, um, and in particular, in nutrition and fitness would be the version of it that's more applicable to us. I mean, certainly for coaches, it's it's essential reading. For the enthusiast, it might be valuable to learn about. There's another book I really like. It's called The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungie Stainer. And I find that presents yeah. really good basic questions. I like it as a framework. And I think any coach should read. Do you have any other resources that you found really valuable? Oh, I'm not a good person for this. Funny enough, um, what was I going to say to that? I own that book, the first one that you mentioned, have not opened it. Um, <laughs> but I know exactly because like I've been recommended that time and time again, but I just I haven't read it. I honestly, where did I? I think I just heard about the concept and like a couple of examples. And I think I just kind of ran with it and started learning through trial and error. And I think that's where time plays a role because I definitely could have done it a better way. But like, I think I just learned this through trial and error. And also actually here's a resource that will be totally unexpected that I think is underrated for coaches. And I mean, anyone, like you said, enthusiasts, I think they can benefit. Like this helps with like family conversations at Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Like your aunt's asking you like, what do you think about this diet? Cause you're the fit uh, niece or nephew that lifts. Right. And, and you're like, oh my God, I want to get out of this conversation. I want to fight her, like whatever, like that's where that serves you. But um, sales, 
is actually something that I think is a very valuable skill that has taught me how to ask the right questions. Um, I love sales. It's something that I'm super passionate about. And it's a part of my business that I love teaching my team on and coaching. And when you approach sales in a frame of, I'm seeking to understand this person and figure out if something's the right best, the best fit for them. You ask the same questions you would ask on a coaching call. And that's just ultimately how it pans out. And I've actually done way more sales training and podcasts and books and mentorships than like specifically coaching. But I think because I was able to learn them in tandem, it ended up benefiting both. Alex Hormozzi's talk that we sat, we were sitting next to each other and you were taking notes vigorously. He actually did eventually put that talk up on his podcast. If anybody wants it, I will literally find it for you and I will like give you the episodes. And you're right. Like I I got something and I want to share it as a social media post because this one kind of popped to mind. But when someone and anybody listening, this will make a lot of sense. When someone like there, there are two sales that have to happen when someone wants to change their life when it comes to fitness and nutrition. The first sale is the purchase of the gym membership or the trainer or the coach, right? Or the home gym equipment. That's the first one. But the second sale is far more important. And that's you buying into making changes to your lifestyle. Yeah. How many people have we worked with? We've all had the client who hired the coach, joined, how many people joined the gym? And that is the big gesture. And they say to their friends, hey, I've joined the gym. Hey, I've got a trainer. But they're not ready and they have not made the the buy to actually change how they eat, to change how they show up, right? And for anybody listening, just think about this. Have you ever had a situation where you made the gesture, you paid the money? Because sometimes it's easier to pay the money as a signal than it is to actually change how you act. And is there anybody listening? I want you to message us. And if you're struggling to make the second purchase for yourself, I want to, I'm curious because I want to hear about that more. Any, any thoughts to that? Yeah, just the fact that I, I think about that a lot. Um, and specifically, I think about the fact that like people's motivation behind when that switch flips, like it's, it really depends on the person. Like some people, they're just in enough pain. Some people are just like satisfied enough with other areas of their life that they're ready. Like, and what turns that for people is like a huge fascination of mine because it's so true. Like I could, I could sell a hundred people on the phone into my program and like maybe 50% of them will truly have made that second sale with themselves and the other half won't. And it's, it's, truly like it's it's very very prevalent that people often they either think that they're ready and they're not or they're just trying to throw money at the problem to make it go away um and yeah it's just it's tough because i want to figure out what the switch is so that i can flip it on people you know like i want to just be like no like you need the second sale and i'm not gonna let you pay me money until i can switch that flip free flip flip that switch for you um but that's the big mystery Yeah. And do you think, so educating the client obviously plays a role in them understanding why they're doing what they're doing. Do you think that, that the education can come first or that they need to have made that second sale in order to, to educate them, to uh, lead them to the outcome or the progress that they want, or maybe sometimes Uh, both? 
Well, I think, um, man, uh, business Marissa is coming out. I feel like there's like different levels of education, right? So there's the pre-sales education and there's a post-sales education of like, they need to be educated on like, okay, if you're struggling with X, Y, and Z, then this is probably the problem. And like, a lot of people don't know that. They just know that they're tired and they're fat and they're exhausted and they like, hurt everywhere like that's literally like what some people's reality is like this is just what it is I don't know like whatever the problem could be you're vitamin d deficient you don't exercise enough you're not eating the right things like they might not know so like there's a level of education that gets them there and then there's a level of education that gets them from okay well then I'm vitamin d deficient what do I do you can take a supplement you can go outside you can da 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 right and so then you go from, okay, I understand how to solve it. And then there's education of, okay, well, I, I don't know how I, I'm trying to solve it, but it's not working. Right. They said, move more and eat less, but I'm stuck. Right. How many times does that happen? Then there's education that takes you from that solution to, well, actually, I don't, I don't really know how to do this in a holistic manner. Right. And then the, and it's the education of like, here's why you might need a coach. Here's why you might need to purchase the gym membership or the the coach and that's all that's just marketing right that whole thing was just the marketing funnel like broken down into parts and then they buy the thing because they've made, been made educated they've been educated enough to be made aware of that and then they have to make those sales with themselves and then they get all the education of how do I actually do this right and so I think it's just like when we talk about changing people's habits and getting to the point where they're doing the basics. This is why the basics aren't the basics because think about everything that just had to happen to get someone in the door. Right. And so I just like, it's fascinating to me, like how oversimplified everything can be, but like, and this is why I think meeting people where they're at is so important. Someone might say same client that I just talked a little bit about with the keto thing. She was like, I'm not seeing any progress. Like I'm frustrated. I haven't gone anywhere in the past three weeks with my goals. And then I asked her like, well, what have you done? And she's bought a walking pad. She's walked like 10, 15, sometimes even 20,000 steps a day. Cause she just walks on it all day. And I was like, how long have you been doing that for? She was like a week and a half. And I was like, so not long. You made this huge change. And just coming to terms with the fact that like, even though there's a staircase ahead, you walking up to that staircase is still progress, right? And so it's just like being able to acknowledge that for someone and bring to light how much they have accomplished is like, hey, you went through this whole process of getting to the place where you were self-aware enough to say there's a problem and I need to change. And then you made a decision and then you made a financial commitment and then you started doing these little things. That's not nothing. And so I think that's something that I've also gotten really good at in the past few years is just like really understanding what it takes to, for someone to even get to the basics. It gives me a lot more empathy and compassion for helping them move forward from there. Mm -hmm. And so then uh, last question I have for you, are there any sort of topics that you've changed your mind or your thoughts on over the years in terms of fitness things? Oh my God, there's a lot, but why am I blanking right now? <laughs> Um, what have I changed my mind about specifically? I mean, I've changed my mind about, about a ton, but I think, I think the one that really stands out has to be the, 
like not the anti-macros approach, but like the fill in the gaps before you get there type of approach that we've been taking, that we've been talking about of like really understanding that like just eating healthier, like kind of oversimplifying it is doing a disservice to a lot of people. Um, and it's not everyone, right? Like know the, know, the, know your niche, right? Know the people that you're working with. Like if you're working with people who want to be advanced strength athletes, then like, yeah, you should know this stuff. But like you pull someone off the street in New York city, they might not. And so like, depending on who you're trying to talk to, I feel like for me, what I've changed my mind about is like understanding how emotional, psychological nutrition and habits are, are um, and just truly being able to appreciate that versus just trying to get people results by giving them calorie amounts, because that actually does them a disservice in the long run. So um, I would say that's a big one, probably in the past two and a half years. We really appreciate you coming on. You've been amazing. Like I, <laughs> I, I could always tell Bailey's reaction where like she just like really lights up to certain answers with people and you had her from the get-go so that usually is a really really big uh, big green flag here so i hope everybody else listening has had the same reaction we really appreciate you coming on it's great to of course see you again we had a wonderful time hanging out back in april and i know we'll we will cross paths again at future events for sure because i know you're really savvy about traveling this sort of stuff in the future and and i love this stuff um, for everybody listening, thank you again for tuning in. What we want you to do is go check out what Marissa is doing with her media. Uh, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, uh, my main social media is probably Instagram. I'm on all the things, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. Now I just restarted that first episode. It's coming out when this episode comes out tomorrow. So mm -hmm. the 31st uh, in a kind of re- revamp of the youtube channel the youtubing but uh you could just search my name marissa roy but marissa roy fitness on instagram is where everything primarily is and you can probably find your way to anything else from there and if they're confused it it is actually marissa roy chong but you go primarily by marissa roy right so yeah it's just like i'm not gonna change the instagram handle at this point i don't want to confuse people trying to search me up so like marissa roy i've kind of coined as okay maiden name is now my alter business ego and marissa chong is just me so, <laughs> so if, they're, if they're confused this is how to find you uh anyway guys uh, marissa again thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.